the 50 is whoever can put together the best race. And, you know, that day, Justin did. And to see that taken from him was not fair. Welcome to Social Kick. I'm Brian Lundquist. We got the full crew, Dr. John Mullen, Luke Paddington, getting out of shape, needs a California training camp. And, well, joining us in California, Hunter Armstrong. What's up, Hunter? How's it going? Howdy. Pretty good. How are y'all? Good, good, good. You said you're on the other side of the bay. What's uh, what's going on uh, on the on the Palo Alto side? Uh, visiting my girlfriend. So that's a that's a that's a long distance relationship when you cr- got to cross it's a bridge, isn't it? Really hard. <laughs> a whole like fifty minutes. <laughs> hey, that's a, that's a heck of a commute. Um, I remember one time actually, my dad was going to. Uh, go on a date and uh, cross a bridge and the bridge wasn't finished building yet and so uh, he turned his lights off to get across the bridge it was like the bridge was done but they hadn't opened it from construction yet and he was late to the date so he's like hey i'm gonna i'm gonna go take this bridge anyway but i don't want to be seen so i'm gonna turn my lights off and so he went he went out and uh it was like driving on the bridge with no headlights and hit uh ended up like hitting a barricade like one of those concrete barriers that turned sideways and he hits it. He's driving Volkswagen Bug. And he said the thing like kicks up all the way in the air and then slams back down on the ground. He's like, oh, crap. So he has to turn around, walk back down the bridge, find the nearest house. And he walks up to this house and he's got like mud and his pants are ripped. Um, and he walks up to this house and he's like, hey, uh, I'm so sorry. Uh, can I use your telephone? I've just had an accident out on the bridge. And the woman who answered the door turns around and yells to her husband. She goes, hey, honey. We got another one out on the bridge. <laughs> so apparently my dad was not the only one. So hopefully uh, hopefully that doesn't happen to you anytime you're crossing bridges for in hopefully the name of love. <laughs> that, oof. I thought he was going to open a door and, and that's how he met your mom. <laughs> yeah, that would have been helpful. Yeah, and it I guess explains uh, a lot, so, Brian. So he does the uh, the date. <laughs> Needless to say, he never went and saw that girl again. <laughs> he probably stood her up. <laughs> oh man! So, uh, Hunter, thanks for coming on. Uh, you're, you're coming off of some meets. You and I got to see each other at Mission, and um, we've got trials coming up in a series of weeks over here. So, what's uh, what's what's going on in your world? Just training i got like uh three more weeks of hard work and then we finally get the taper and i'm so excited <laughs> been going hard for like 10 months that's the crazy thing about swimming isn't it it's like you know um gosh uh, well i guess for a period of time we would think that the, tr- the sport is trending in a direction of uh, there's a lot more people who love to race a lot and like mm-hmm. through that racing they gain fitness and maybe there's some freshness throughout the season but i mean the most of us just come from this background of you know being in a very long slog of training and you know sitting lower in the water before you actually get to realize that gain which i think ultimately then end up with a lot of pressure toward those bigger meets too because it's like your only chance to really fire on all cylinders but i don't know how's, what's your perspective on that i mean i i think there's no wrong way oh no there's definitely some wrong ways to do it but <laughs> i think the people that go fast year round it works for them. You just got to find what works best for you. And me personally, in the moment, I don't like it, but I don't think there's any better feeling than like finishing a really hard workout and just looking back and being like, yeah, I did that. Mm. 
And Any then, workouts come to mind recently, especially with the Cal backstroke crew? We were having uh, talks with uh, with the, ourselves about how dominant the Cal backstroke crew is and even talked with a few of them recently. Um, anything come to mind? Um, so I don't really train backstroke, um, hmm. but we did a three or four week cycle of um, 50s and it was first week 2050s then 16 then 12 and i think we skipped 10 and went to 8 um but the mid distance guys they had to hold best average across those the sprintier end oops, sorry i don't know if you guys heard that notification i hope you didn't it's all right. We've all heard notifications before. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. Now you got pictures of your girlfriend and people popping up. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the the sprint side, we would do the first half at like 100 back end play, pace plus two or three. And then the second half was all back end pace. So 1050s at back end pace, which for me is like, 24 zero to 24 two so that those burn you do have a ridiculous back end by the way but uh hold on you don't you don't train backstroke explain um so all through high school and the beginning of my college career i was always a freestyler um my two were uh 50 free 100 free and once we picked up a third event, once you got into college, we had a backstroker at West Virginia. So I was the freestyler for the relays. Um, it, it really wasn't until sophomore year that I started like actually swimming the event to backstroke. Now, I mean, I when it came to long course season, you can do more than two events, then yeah, I'd pick up the hundred back. But I'd, I'd always consider myself more of a freestyler. And so that's what my training has always been focused on. Huh. I thought for sure you were going to say you trained with Bjorn and Jack all breaststroke. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Jack actually has a decent breaststroke for not being a breaststroker. <laughs> Bjorn, I don't know if he could handle that. Like that's tough on the knees. Yeah, we were talking recently with um, with uh, well, we've had some conversations with a few of the cow guys, with you know Hugo and Destin, and um, and then also Gabriel Jet, and uh, I can't remember which conversation it was, but we're you know talking about some of the versatility of swimmers now and what the weird combinations are. You've got Kate Douglas who can do a fifty free and a two breast at all both world class levels, and then you've got what uh, you know Leon Marchand is doing with his ability to go the you know, the fast 200 free ever in yards and then also do other, you know, fast stuff, but he can be pretty sprinty too. And it's like, man, these skill sets are just so varied, but yeah. there's some people who are equipped for that. And then like the joke is, well, yeah, but look at like the Bjorns of the world and imagine them doing breaststroke or 200 breaststroke. Like how, how long would that take? <laughs> right. See, but I feel like there, there's two types of swimmers, either the ones that can do breaststroke or the ones that can't. Um, and if you're a breaststroker, congrats. Now you're an IMer. Um, but like butterfly and backstroke often go together just 
because of underwaters. Um, freestyle is, tends to be a little more exclusive. Like there, there are a lot of great freestylers that can do fly and back, but I also know a bunch of freestylers that cannot go on their back at all. And then there's just monsters like Kate Douglas and Leon that do everything. <laughs> yeah, it's a strange thing. I don't know what it is about the skill set that um, that translate. What do you What do you think it is for you? You're a freestyler that discovered backstroke, and you know, I mean, as elite as your freestyle is, which is very elite. It, uh, what What are some of the traits that you feel like translated in? to have made your backstroke jump out the way that it has in you know the last several years? Honestly, I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> like there's, there's, I'm not good at underwaters. I've gotten a lot better, but they're not, sure. they're not good. Um, I mean, I think I finished like 13th at NCAAs the year I made the Olympic team. Yeah. So if, that, if that tells you anything about <laughs> the difference, I'm very good on the surface. So if we, if everybody just started at a, a dead start, no wall, no start, I'd feel pretty confident in my ability to win as long as it's yeah. not breaststroke. But yeah, I got to throw down a 50 fly at mission. That was fun, but you'll never catch me in a hundred fly because then I'd have to be a good butterflyer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a sprinter. But you're good on top of the water. Can you do butterfly on top of the water? As long as I don't breathe. Huh. So okay. it, I don't, I mean, I don't even train backstroke, so I definitely don't train butterfly. Yeah. Um, but I, I think one of my skill sets is tempo, which a lot of people see that difference in backstroke. But mm -hmm. I think that showed with my 50 fly, um, put your head down and just tempo through it and you can probably go fast so long as you don't slip mm -hmm. what what's your favorite to swim is it and is it based on the stroke or is it based on a distance like it's as long as it's the 50 i love it or as long as it's backstroke i love it what what's what's your favorite criteria and what, what why gotta say i love any distance freestyle excluding like open water um but I, that's done. a slippery slope. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, can't do that. Um, I've done a 1500. That, it wasn't great, but yeah, yeah, it was like four years ago. I went like 17 or something like 1701, which I was proud of. I was first time. Um, so you'd rather I, that over 50 fly or 50 of any stroke. You'd rather do a 500. Or, you know what I mean? Over a 50 of any stroke? Hmm. That's tough. Because 50s yeah. are very, like... I don't enjoy swimming any 50. Just because there's no room for error. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I like to be on the little more, like, distance side. Because yeah. yeah. um, it allows me to make mistakes. Which I make a lot of. <laughs> um, like the 50 backstroke one mistake yeah it's over yeah what's the most common mistake that you make in the 50 backstroke that's kind of like i don't know just something that you constantly have to keep working at sometimes i push the tempo too much um hmm. and i end up slipping 
it's very rare, but typically in high stress situations, I'm thinking about like, all right, you have to tempo. Great example would be the world's final. I'm like, all right, time to shine. Um, and I got two in my head. I pushed the tempo too much. Uh, I don't think I had the best finish. Got crushed on the first 15. Mm-hmm. Just I did too many things wrong. And the other people in the field did less things wrong. What did you learn from that? Or what type of things are you trying to focus on maybe in practice to translate to the race? Because I know when I swam, I was a very tempo driven swimmer, but I would often slip at big meets, especially in like a 50 fly. I could never get that right because I would just rush it and slip constantly. So what have you found that has been working for you or what are you continuing to work on to, to improve it? I always do like a ton of like catch focused drills, fist drill, just learning how to pull with more than just your hand. Hmm. Um, Sometimes I put like drag socks on the hand and do some high tempo work. Um, There's really not much you can do other than just practice racing. Um, And that was one thing that I was really happy with at Westmont is my 50 backstroke, I didn't tempo up. I mean, my tempo was still fast, but I didn't push my tempo. It just was happening. It was happening. Hmm. Um, I held water and it was a really good swim. Hmm. Are, so when you're working on some of those things though, back to the, you know, I don't train backstroke part of the conversation. Are you doing some select things like that to work backstroke tempo um, ever in training or, or do you, do you do that on your front freestyle and, you know, can just translate that onto your back? If I'm doing backstroke the day of competition, like I won't swim any backstroke if it's a hundred free day. Um, but if it's, if I'm doing the 50 or hundred back, then I'll change. I'll do both instead. So I'll do some catch work on my front catch work on my back. Mm -hmm. Um, but in terms of training, I, I don't want it to come off as I never swim backstroke in practice. (laughs) I do, but it's very, very rare. Yeah. I I know what you mean. Yeah. Maybe like if we're doing a set on a random Tuesday and Matt will say, all right, do two rounds freestyle, one round backstroke. So I'd say 95% of my training is all freestyle. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense for me. And I, I understand where you're coming from too. Cause I like, like you said, you know, you get to college, you race three events and I was a primarily a freestyler, always trained freestyle. And then I, you know, always thought those are my best events. Um, and then I kind of switched strokes on the third event. I was racing butterfly most of college. And then I had the hunter backstroke that I discovered my senior year. And then by the time that I was kind of racing post college, I discovered that I was really good at the 50 butterfly. And like, I still never trained, but like, even at that time, and I, I, I had that American record for like eight years, I think. And I still never, I never, ever trained, um, butterfly, even, even in sprinting stuff. Like it just, it, it didn't do anything for me. I was only good at racing it. So, and then like, like you're talking about, it's like, well, what's even the point, right? Like, you know, if, 
if you lift your head, which you would do in training, if you're doing more of it to get some breathing and training, probably it's just like, it doesn't translate. It's not the same thing. So, yeah. And yeah. I think a lot of it is comp complimentary. Like backstroke is really just freestyle on your back. Um, but like, I, I'm pretty confident most of our breaststrokers, they don't swim breaststroke all the time in practice because that would be really hard on you. Most of our flyers aren't constantly doing fly. So it's something that you just need to like touch on occasionally, but it's not something that you always do. Murph, he is pretty much always doing backstroker IM. Hmm. Um, which speaking of athletes that can do any event, it's dirty what Murph can do. Like I had no idea he had as good of a freestyle as he does. Hmm. We don't see it much. I think he had the national know. high school record in the hundred free at one point. Really? So, I mean, yeah, I think so. I mean, I get them all mixed up with the public and independent records for, for high school stuff, but I'm pretty sure he had the 100 free before. That's actually uh, one that I've just been quietly looking at because uh, especially with like how how strong you've shown up in the 100 freestyle hunter, like um, seeing seeing Murph's results, it just seems to me like knocking on the door of doing something pretty gnarly in the 100 free. And clearly he's got like the, the full well-rounded skill set to be able to you know have a breakout hunter free but it's like i could it's kind of like in the same way that lochte would show up on some of these freestyle relays and then evolved into a world champion in the 200 free when he came from like a im backstroke background is like if you're that good underwater and at short course and you've got the you know ability to translate that really well to long course i would think like a lot of people like that with that skill set you're just yeah. you're kind of among the stable to be on the relays too on the freestyle relays so it, it wouldn't shock me at all to see you know murph have a breakout there what were you gonna say luke I was going to say, Hunter, it, it's it's amazing, though, because you're the world record holder in the event that you have the least opportunity to make a mistake. So you got to you got to nail everything. And you think about a 50, right? You think 50 back, lane line, uh, ropes, uh, 15 meter mark, uh, the touch, so much shit. The angle of entry, the finger. There are a thousand things you have to perfect. Yet, you, w when do you work on that? Or it just comes naturally to you? Or it's like, when do you work on that technique? Or it's just, you just have it? Explain that stuff. Yeah. Well, it, it feels weird to say that I just have it. Um, but I, I, it's hard for me to ever get DQ'd for a 15 because my underwaters aren't good. Right. I'm faster on the surface. So excluding the start... I don't think I physically could kick to the 15 if I wanted to. <laughs> uh, but um, no, the, the finish is hard, especially for the 50. Because um, when I'm driving the tempo as much as I am, I don't know where I am. Like, all I can see is white water. Yeah. So lack of a better term, it's a crapshoot. Just go and hope you don't hit a lane line. Because how can you really prepare for that? But and exactly, you can't. But but maybe it helps you then mentally, um, in terms of like you. It's more like this. You maybe maybe put less pressure on yourself, or and and you can dive into and it's like shit. Let's just go and you just do what sprinters are supposed to do and just sprint, just do it. 
maybe you make it up for that. I don't know. Anyways, it's really fascinating, Hunter. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah, it's good. I'm still learning myself, so. All right. It, yeah, it's tough. I haven't been in the sport for long enough to yeah to know how to answer all of these. So a lot of it has just come naturally, or I figure it out as I go. Well, let's talk about that. Uh, you know, we when we first started, um, you know, we touched on it really briefly about what your background is. But um, I mean, I think there were a, a lot of people, all, all of us included, that when you qualified for the Olympic team and finished second at trials, we're like, who's this guy? And I mean, no offense, but like, you just didn't know, you know, and I think that's cool because that happens every cycle. And I, I, I'm pretty excited to see, you know, next year who that is again, because there's going to be more people that, you know, kind of do that. Obviously that's not your experience. You were progressing through the sport, but um, just talk us, tell us about like how you, how you came to swimming and what your kind of introduction to the sport and progression has been like from kind of before the world knew about you. Hunter Armstrong. Um, honestly, probably just the best to start out through high school. My, uh, my older brother swam through high school and I followed along. Um, I was terrible until about my senior year. I, cause it was the summer leading into my senior year that I sort of hit puberty and like started to physically grow. Um, which is a, a lot of why I came onto the scene so hard. Um, but in 2017, I, um, joined Kent city schools club and I'd go to maybe like two practices a week, just trying to stay in shape <laughs> for the high school season, because that's all I thought there was. I didn't know about Olympic trial. I mean, I knew about Olympic trials, but I didn't know about worlds or trials cuts or anything. Um, but in 2018, we had a training camp in Fort Lauderdale. I told my coach that I wanted to go to it. And he's like, if, if you want to come, you have to like show some dedication to this program. So I started going to practice, ended up doing pretty good. I got my juniors cut. I don't think I think I was C final at juniors, but I'm pretty confident in 2018. I don't have it up, so I could be wrong. I think I was a one double O in the hundred backstroke. Okay, <laughs> two years before you make the Olympic team, <laughs> I was well, three COVID years ago. Saved me. Cope. Covid saved me. I would not have made the team in 2020. <laughs> well, I mean, so I'm from Ohio and I still follow high school swimming state results quite a bit because like you said, Ohio high school states is like the, the biggest thing unless you know of, of like, you know, what's after that. And yeah, you weren't on my radar at all. I mean, junior year, what were you like 21-6 in the 50 free? Then senior year, you dropped down to 20.1 and, and you didn't <laughs> even win. Um, right? Because I think no, we had Cheney. Uh, Cheney was there and you had Carson and the Foster guys there. But I don't know. It's funny with Ohio. I mean, it kind of reminded me of Josh Schneider, how that guy came oh. out of nowhere. He was like, yeah. I think, got seventh or eighth in the 50 free at States, went to Cincinnati, then once again, started to focus, I'm sure hit more maturity. And like you said, focusing on the sport yeah. and, and had a lot of yeah. success. Maturity? I don't know. I'm just kidding. Oh, physical, <laughs> physical maturity, Brian. There's <laughs> hope for me yet. Yes. Uh, yeah, you're just waiting to hit your peak. Right? Exactly. 
you're just on the mass phase still. <laughs> Wait, how much did you grow between that junior and senior year? You said you hit puberty. Did you grow like a foot? Um, so I lied on my license. Um, so 16 years old, I think I said I was six, four. Okay. Um, so I was probably like six, one, six, two. I mean, there, there's pictures of me. Um, you should see me as a freshman. I, I look like I'm in like sixth grade, <laughs> which I, I was carried on a relay to state my freshman year. I didn't make it individually. Um, but yeah, now I, I stand at like six, eight ish. So. Okay. I read something that said you're six, six. And I, I was telling these guys beforehand, I'm like that this dude is not six, six. He's like a very strong. So six, eight makes a lot more sense. Yeah. They, um, I think West Virginia, cause I was six, six, my freshman year of college, Okay, but I'm still growing. Not anymore, hopefully, but, yeah. uh, I was still growing through that. I couldn't even grow facial hair until halfway through my sophomore year of college. <laughs> um, but I think Luke, everyone Luke's still kidding. working on it. Luke's I'm still trying. working on his. He's just trialing out this uh, whatever he's got his speech fuzz. Right? God, yeah. Um, but I think everyone just looked at my West Virginia roster and they're like, oh, he's 6'6". And then they just kept spreading it more and more and more. Wait, why did you lie on your uh, on your on your license? Your license? I yeah, was it's like the NFL Combine. Like you had to lie to you know increase your profile. Just wanted to be taller. So <laughs> yeah, I hey, Brian, think... I'm six foot on my Purdue profile, so I can I can relate to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're a strong five twelve, John. Exactly. Yeah, I Looks said I was 150 <laughs> pounds, and I think that was even a lie. <laughs> Oh did you God. did you choose your programs or somewhat based on such quick change in your physique and the improvements? Like, is there a reason that you chose these schools besides, you know, your brother went to West Virginia, right? But besides, and you're at Cal now, did you choose these environments that you could continue being on this path of this development of programs and coaches that would, would help you with that and know where you came from and where you may end up? I'll say Cal was really the only program that I looked into for that reason. Yeah. Um, West Virginia was one of two schools that reached out to me for recruiting. Um, and um, my brother went there. So, you know, I, I knew the coaches, I knew the team, I knew the area. It was comfortable. Yeah. Um, but then when COVID hit, I uh, wanted to be a little closer to home and Ohio state. Once I entered the portal, they're like, we'll take you come back home. Um, and then I had a really good sophomore year. Liked my training program with Matt didn't yeah. survive most of the practices. <laughs> I was a handful. Um, then junior year went really well, but um then Matt ended up taking the uh, position at Cal. And I'm like, a year before the Olympics, I'm going to stick with the program that I know. And I trusted Matt and came out here to Berkeley. Yeah. Wait, hold I on a second. Hear a, the, one sec. I didn't hear a the Ohio State when he said it earlier. <laughs> I, I feel like, uh, was something Sorry. wrong there? Did you go yeah. there, really? 
I, I did go to the Ohio State University. Okay, I just want to clarify because it's you gotta make sure we understand. Yes, oh. yes. You know, I've I've never been more humbled than when I came out here, and they're like, "Oh yeah, you went where?" And I'm like, "Oh OSU." They're like, "Oklahoma State, Oregon State," <laughs> and I'm like, "Is OSU not just known as Ohio State?" T O S U. T O S U. Must have been such a big. Such a, you're giving me a lot of perspective here too, because um, like talking about your upbringing and uh, your perspective on the swimming world and not really knowing about trials and all of that. And then, you know, you've just moved, or not just, but have, you know, transitioned across the country to a training group and, and city and environment that's like completely different to some of the places that you've been. Yeah. And yet, and, and like what you just said before was you love West Virginia, so you'd be closer to home. Isn't, isn't, um, isn't Ohio State only like a half hour closer to home than West Virginia would have been, like by car? I mean, <laughs> I think technically speaking, West Virginia was closer. <laughs> <laughs> it was also the the pandemic. Like, sure, yeah. I had a lot of reasons to transfer. I love that school. West Virginia was great. Um, I still want to go back and see some football games, like there's no hard feelings toward any of the schools that I've gone to and mm. all of them have been a massive stepping stone to where I am today. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't bring that up for uh, for shade tossing at all, but I, I think um, it's cool just to see, you know, you reach this level of, you know, expertise and skill and then prioritization on, you know, your future career path and investment in that path, obviously going with your coach too, but I mean, like talk about, training environments and you know coaching things going well aligning in such a great direction to you know to lead you to where you are today so um i'm curious then what some of the things then are uh actually reflecting on what um keaton jones was mentioning when i spoke with him after you know some good swims over the weekend he's going to cal and he mentioned one of the skills that he's most looking forward to or just things that he's um excited about the potential for his development is in some of the some of the skills that are are needed short course and it it reminded me a lot of of you and what you've talked about how you know you're fast on top of the water and that's your skill set and there's you know the underwater skills or skills around the wall aren't although you've you know improved in, in those areas aren't the leading edge of what makes you fast and it sounded like the same for him so i'm curious for you being in in the training environment even if you're not training with you know the same folks who are who you're racing next to on a daily basis what are the areas that you feel like you've developed the most in um since making the transition i'd say work ethic is going to be a big one i sort of took ownership of the weight room um um <laughs> like i i enjoy it now I, I didn't used to think, yeah, so West Virginia, I didn't lift. So sophomore year, COVID was the first year I got in a weight program, and it was hard. Yeah. Um, so then I was learning technique and, like, how to do things properly all through my sophomore year. Junior year, I started to, like, do better, but... I think my max clean jumped like 50 to 60 pounds from my junior year to this year. 
One thing you mentioned with dolphin kicks and underwater kicks and, and breaststroke, uh, I guess, going back to your point on breaststroke, that people can either do breaststroke or they can't. They're kind of born with it or not. Yep. Do you think the same applies to dolphin kick, or do you think perhaps getting into the sport later impacted your ability to be one of these elite dolphin kickers? Um, it, it's not a, like, clean-cut um philosophy but i do think if you're like shorter it's a lot easier your core is more compact it's easier for you to do that motion now obviously there's outliers bjorn is my size and he's a fantastic underwaters michael phelps but if you look at the top ncaa performers in the fly and the backstroke they're not six eight like brendan burns fantastic underwaters yusuf ramadan all guys that are shorter stature, but they are fantastic on the underwaters. Mm. But it can definitely be learned. It just, I'm a little late to the game in learning. How is your dolphin kick tempo? Does that keep up with some of the other uh, elite ones you're training with? Or do you think your height also just slows down that tempo as well? So my coach likes for me to hit um, 0.45 tempo. But when I started like looking into backstroke, I think Murph had a pretty fast tempo in his underwaters, but I more compared myself to Grievers. Mm. Grievers had slow but powerful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Murph was quick and powerful, but um, I'm somewhere in the middle. So I, that's a lot of body to move very quickly. Yeah but I don't necessarily carry the same power that everyone else does. So I, I shoot for somewhere in the middle. Hmm. We were, we were talking 200 back recently a lot with Destin and I was looking at that world record. By the way, what's your 200 back time? <laughs> uh, <laughs> honestly, couldn't tell you. I, <laughs> I think last time I swam it, I wasn't trying because it was like a 200 back. <laughs> uh, <laughs> It, it conflicted with my 100 free. So I oh, think I, I made the final and then sort of just cruised through, um, treated okay. it like a warm-up almost. Realistically, I think if I tapered and shaved, I could go 156, 155-ish. Yeah. Um, I would love to train it. I really want to be good at that event. But as long as I'm good at the 100 free, yeah, I, can't, yeah. I can't do that. Mm -hmm. Well, it, it crossed my mind because of that set you told us when you were, you know, holding the back off so you're 100 free and, and that's how you bring it home and you're going to top the water and it sounds like a 200 backstroke, a styling kind of sort of. But I was wondering, ISL had the skins, you know, the, the, the 50 skins and Murph was destroying the 50 skins back. What Would you beat Murph in 50 skins backstroke long course? So three fifties on three minutes. And, you know, would you win? 350s, long course on three minutes. Oh, that's tough. Yeah. So Murph had the American record. Um, so I, I do think that I carry more speed than him, but he has me on the endurance side doing the 200. Yeah, yeah. But one thing Murph is better at than probably anyone else in the world is knowing exactly how much effort you have to give to make it to the next round. Mm -hmm. I'm true. still learning that. So, okay. yeah, plenty of experience. Yeah. 
He's also yeah. better at uh, as Rowdy would would uh, celebrate his reaction time off of a backstroke start is also ridiculous. I don't, you know, it's he had a back problem a while ago. I don't know if he's come out and said that, so um, I I don't know if it's safe to put in there. But um, so now he strictly front squats. This mm. man front squats more than I can back squat. Jesus. Um, and I think that's how he gets such good reaction time. Yeah. His legs are so strong. <laughs> What's the most impressive thing you've seen somebody do in the weight room? Like s- swimming wise. Swimming wise in the weight room? A swimmer. Uh, sorry, I mean like a, a swimmer, oh, not oh, like a power yeah. lifter. I, I would say for, for, for me, I remember watching this dude who did the decathlon at Auburn and he was doing like... 20 muscle ups at a time and i couldn't imagine being able to do like that kind of explosive movement above a pull-up bar so that that those kinds of things were really impressive to me but yeah for a swimmer what what have you seen um i gotta say the most impressive is probably between murph and abby so murph just puts up insane weight all the time like Mm. I move a little bit quicker than I do in the work in the weight room, just because that was how my program at OSU was run. Like mm. you don't sit down, you don't yawn, you don't get on your phone. Um, it was very like fast paced. Mm-hmm. Um, so I typically am like on my last set when they're about to warm up. <laughs> um, so I'll like do my last set of cleans and get like a brand new max. And then Murph will come over and be like, you done? I got to warm up. <laughs> All right. Thanks. It's like has old school. You... Uh, go on, Brian. Has, has, that, has that slowed you down some then in the gym? Are you like kind of, because uh, you talked about your strength gains and, and the kind of impact that that's making. Is that, is their pace of play uh, influencing you? No, I, I still go really fast. I just started adding more work to the, to the ordinary program. So mm-hmm. I do the pro workout and then i do like a pull-up set rip a couple muscle ups do some shoulder rehab do some extra core by that time there's still like 20 minutes left of lift so i go like run some starts and get in water early oh nice there um there, there are two things about you that i have never heard a swimmer do and you did it at world champs in the fifth day backstroke I think you're the first swimmer to be given two medals for one race. It's pretty different. You're given a gold and a silver, and you turned a gold into silver. Is that an oh, ultimate yeah. magic trick? <laughs> is, that, uh, is that your magic? Let's th- th- talk us through that. <laughs> Are you talking about rests at Worlds? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Th- th- talk us that whole oh. thing. I'm, why, I'm, why I'm bringing up with you is because I was personally – really moved by the the grace you dealt with the whole situation. You know, the support you gave him, the, you know, you're there for him, uh, you're there the whole, the maturity you went through, the whole thing. And from the photographs that we saw, I'm basing on photographs, right? I didn't speak to you. So, Fair. but I would love to hear from you about, about that whole situation and how you turned gold into silver, dude. Um, well, it may not be my most favorite trick to do. <laughs> 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 other way i'll take the other um but as i said earlier the 50 is whoever can put together the best race and you know that day justin did and to see that taken from him was 
not fair. Now, if, like, I, I would like to think that anybody in our sport, given the same situation, would have done the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's something special about our sport is mm-hmm. a vast majority of us are just good people. And um, so, yeah, it, it was hard, but he, he beat me. He earned that medal, and I would much rather see two Americans on the podium than one, even yeah. if that meant that my medal was going to change colors. Yeah. I, I take a lot more pride in the tradition of our backstroke excellence than I do in my personal accolades. Hmm. Yeah, did um it kind of reminded me of the short course worlds too, because correct me if I'm wrong on this. Did Murph end up winning that 50 back after all the uh after all the start controversy? I think, I think he did. I think he did. And I, I I'm just picturing him, you know, kind of talking in a in a similar vein, even though it's not his countryman, uh about isaac cooper saying you know that sucks like you know he obviously won the first one and then we get called back and then some they delayed the race till later because you know all this um you know and that obviously sucks for for isaac too uh in that case he won the first one yeah i mean it's lethal on the first one but then i don't know that was just a, a rough situation all around and i thought i thought ryan handled that really well too in that instance so um yeah I don't know where I was going with that, but that was, that was pretty crazy. Well, yeah, but that that attributes more to the point I made a little bit earlier is most everyone in our sport are just good people. Murph yeah. is an excellent leader and just an all-around good person. So um, it, I felt for Isaac there, and Murph did too. Unfortunately, that's just the way our sport works sometimes, and – you know, I think he handled it the right way. Is there a rule out there that is that needs to change? Uh, I mean, the, re- the I'm recalling it the rest rule was an example. Um, is there another rule out there that needs to change and it's just being silly? It's, it's not proving an advantage to the swimmers and it just needs to... Is it a breaststroke where all the swimmers at the finish were getting DQ'd at Worlds because they had a camera to see what they're doing underwater? Can you, any of you think of a rule that would be good for us to... Listen, come on. We need to put it in place. It's okay for a swimmer to X. I mean, nothing comes to mind for me, but one thing I've been thinking is that perhaps there need to be different rules for age group, low-level swimmers, and then oh. high-level swimmers. Because I do think, like, the the rest rule is kind of set up for a little bit for, like, age group and, like, learning, you know, how to, you know, finish and not dive all the way under and things like that. So I am curious if there needs to be shifts and rules between younger kids and, you know, whatever college or pro swimmers, kind of like how that is in a lot of sports like NBA. I know, Luke, you're a huge NBA fan. Yep. You know, what you're doing at 10 is a lot different than in the pros. Yep. There's a lot of different different things going on. So I'm not sure if the sport should have some sort of progression hmm. and, and rules like that. I can I can go with that. Maybe not for age groupers. Um, like don't set the bar for age groupers versus like, don't put an age barrier on it. Yeah. Just because if, if I'm racing an age grouper, now the official has to know the rules for different people, but maybe have it to senior level meets have a certain barrier. 
because I'm pretty sure if, when I was when I was an age grouper, I did a lot of things that get me DQ'd. But the officials aren't going to DQ you. You're a little kid. Mm-hmm. I just envisioned you racing a ten year old when he said that, and you just like being <laughs> three feet taller than this ten ten year old. <laughs> One rule that I do think should change, and to be fair, I don't know all the rules. Yeah. Like, I'm lucky enough to be in freestyle where the only rule is don't touch the bottom. Oh, the lane rope. <laughs> yeah. You can't, you can touch the lane rope, can't you? You can stop and hang on the lane rope so long as you, uh, you don't interfere with the summer in the lane next to you, right? Isn't that true? Maybe. I don't know. But I what were you going to say? What would you change? Turning over too early in backstroke like into your turn if you turn too early or have too long on your stomach you'll get deked that's the that's the coast rule isn't it yeah but i don't it's something about like not lower. propelling yourself forward and not like having your non-continuous motion. motion yeah yeah the non-continuous motion bs yeah i don't like that one either especially because like well i assume that this is the way it is for you hunter like and i i learned this in college that you know as a high schooler you're you're still kind of on your back when you take that next to last stroke. But what we were taught in college was that next to last stroke before you make the turn and backstroke should be almost a freestyle stroke. You take mm -hmm. that last stroke, you turn all the way over on your stomach and then you get two strong freestyle pulls into the wall. Um, and so, you know, you're kind of maxing out as much as you can in that rule, but yeah, that's a good one. The weird one about the fact that if you're doing that, but it's not a continuous and you are a little too far away from the wall and you coast, but your legs are still moving, then that's a DQ for some reason. Yeah. 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 I know the officials are going to love this conversation on uh, our Instagram. <laughs> I can already see the comments posted. and corrections coming through. So I, I can't yeah, wait some, to moderate. Someone's <laughs> going to point out that the turnover rule is there for a good reason. Yeah. Not aware of it. So and then too, they're gonna point out we don't know shit about a lot of these <laughs> rules. <laughs> Probably true. But I wouldn't be surprised if at some point the sport heads the direction where you get rid of the um two hand touches. Yeah. That seems like another one that's really hard to police. Everybody is doing this like sweep action regardless. And then but they're supposed to be on the same plane and I don't know. I, like just because we've seen dolphin kicks added to breaststroke and then it was like, okay, but then there were Kitajima doing three of them. So, or what he was doing two of them. So we had to change the rule and then Cam Vanderberg was doing three of them. So then it was like, well, how many can we do? And it just takes some athletes like pushing the limit, you know? And I, I'm curious actually to see if there's any people like who's kind of changing the style of, um, I mean, I guess it's similar to your, to your question to prompt this discussion, John. It's like, you know, uh, Justin gets called for something in a high profile moment that a lot of swimmers are doing, but you know, like he gets, he gets called on it. And it's, um, I'm curious if there's like to see other swimmers who are kind of pushing the envelope in a similar way. Cause like years ago it was Lochte, the, the Lochte can't, you know, kick on your, like, whatever the rule is in terms of like your axes and if you're allowed to kick on your side versus your back as he was doing the whole turnover and kick on his back before he pushed off and I am on freestyle. Um, so I don't know. It's fun to see people like that, just trying to find where they're faster and um, yeah. you know, and that may be different. Fresh. Yeah. Like it, if it's faster, do it. Yeah. Totally. Anybody else can. And is a one handed touch really that much faster than a two handed touch? I mean, like, potentially I think it's a, a little bit, right? And you could obviously rotate more and get to that wall quicker. But 
but I can see that and um opportunity to do it. Yeah. And I can see, well, <laughs> the opportunity is as a master swimmer. And even when I was in college, I'm sure you train with people like this all the time. I don't do breaststroke kick. And then, I mean, I just don't, it doesn't work with my knees. I've always done dolphin kick. I would do it in training. And I'm sure there's people there that don't breaststroke kick. And uh, anytime that we had to do a 200 IM though, like sometimes that would come up in training, you know, you know, do an IM or maybe there's even a hundred IM, like even in a meet, a small meet, you know, I would just do dolphin kick and know that I was going to get DQ'd and it didn't matter. <laughs> but I think that would be a way better way of doing that stroke in general. Just get rid of the style of kick for breaststroke and do dolphin kick. I, I'd be I behind, I'll be an IMer if you let me do a dolphin kick. <laughs> yeah, that would really change things, wouldn't it? That's how George Ravel got into IM. Uh, he, he got his, he did a fly kick almost with his breaststroke and IM after his knee injury. I mean, that's why he did 100 IM. He, he adapted his 100 IM to do that. And that's how he was almost setting a world record. There would be one thing, I would, an equipment change, I think, should be at least for the major meets. I think backstrokers should have a lane line. Just like in the Rome pool where you have the wires above the lane lines for the outdoor pools. Why mm. don't they have some sort of wires above, above you so you can oh. spot and see? Just for the big meets. Why not? It's going to be that much. Don't you Especially think if outdoors, that would yes. save everyone. Hey, everybody. Just a wire. Boom, boom, boom. Or whatever it is. Backstroke outdoor lane lines. They'll say, oh, cameras. And cameras going in the way and that kind of stuff. But I think it's a good innovation. Um, yeah. Okay. Everybody asks you to do magic tricks in front on, on it. But I have a question for you with my magic. Can you do a magic trick through the camera? And like do one on me if I bring out some cards or dice or is magic solely in the presence of your aura? Or are you able to like, I have some die, I have some cards. Is this something you can do with us or Brian's cap or John's? Is this something you can do? Or it has to be in the presence of the master. So yes, <laughs> but if it doesn't work, we have to cut this whole bit. <laughs> <laughs> we will. Let's try it. Damn. All right. Let's try it. Yeah. If you're watching this, yeah. it works. Yes. <laughs> Let me. I have a fresh pair of cards. What do you need? What do you need? Uh, pull out any nine. Any nine. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah, One. I like how you're saying it out loud. That makes me feel better about uh, what you're doing, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Will you memorize the second card from your left? Memorized. Okay. All right. Go ahead and square it up. All right. So now I want you to deal one at a time, face down on the table from the top, mm -hmm. but spell your name one okay. card per letter. That's Luke. L U. Got it. Yeah. Say it out loud. <laughs> All right. Go ahead and set the rest on top. Rest on top. Pick it up. All right. Now I want you to do the same thing, but spell loves. Luke loves okay. junk food. So put the rest put on, it on top. top. Right. Yes. All right. So now you can spell the name of anybody that you love. It can be your mom, your wife, your girlfriend. What about, what about Dr. John DPT? That's so That's many letters. Brian. Well, that might be too many. Uh, I thought we were going to do uh, warriors. Okay. <laughs> okay. Spell Brian. Rest on top. Yeah. Yes. All right. Okay. Got it. All right. So now I want you to take the top three cards yes, and hold them toward the camera. I'm going to see if I can get a sense of where your card is. Flat or span it out? That, that's fine. Okay. 
It's none of those. Sure there are three. Uh-huh. Right? All right. Uh, give me the next two. Next two. No, those aren't it. I didn't feel it either. Wasn't yeah, I see in the back of these cards. But this next one, this next one, will you hold it up for me? I have a really good feeling that that's not the card either. It's not. You've never seen this deck. It's what? Not. All right. The, but in all seriousness, I think the next one is the card you memorized. Is it? It is. Oh. What is it? Seven of diamonds. Seven of diamonds. What the it hell? That, that trick will work for anybody. So if you're watching this podcast, go get nine cards, follow my instructions, and it will work for you. Man. Oh. Have you ever been exposed when you're doing uh, magic live, like street magic or you know, doing it in person and stuff uh stuff just totally flops? I've definitely messed up. Um but just a part of the profession you have to learn how to like act like it was all a part of it and uh come up with another way so uh. you can like if i figure out what your card is and i mess up the reveal i could be like oh um here just say it over and over in your head seven of diamonds uh, okay yeah uh. and they're like oh the whole thing was just that like that's how i always planned on doing it oh, well I love it. i'm sure as good as your magic is you're probably not making millions off of it but <laughs> i'm always curious. Off of swimming either so i know well that's what i want to get into because i'm always curious with um you know pro swimmers especially ones living in the bay area because we've all lived there we know it's not not cheap to say the least no, so I... maybe tell us a little bit more about you know um how you're navigating that world and and what your you know plan is for the for the future as far as you know maybe sponsorships or ha- how how you're just navigating that whole environment so i'm definitely fortunate enough to uh be sponsored by tier um they help out a lot and just a great company to be a part of um but usa swimming also helps mm. um we get stipend for being on the national team but um no, I mean, I, I'm only going to accept sponsorships from companies that I like. I'm not just going to take money and say that I like your company. If I, if I don't mesh well with your standards, then I'll find someone who does. Mm-hmm. Before you signed with them, well, were you trialing product from a bunch of different companies? I mean, hey, you made the Olympic team, and then it's like, okay, well, obviously, there's going to be some commercial opportunities for you. What was that evaluation like before you decided to sign with them? So I was in the talks with them during uh, during Tokyo. Okay. Um, great but- time to be great time to be talking about uh, to sponsors, you know, when you're prepping <laughs> yeah. for your first Olympics. <laughs> Well, no one wanted me before. Yeah. And also that was before NIL. Yeah. Sure. Um, so that was fun navigating through the first year of NIL. Um, so, you know, yeah. I, I worked with Tier for, I want to say, a year and a half before I actually ended up signing. So I was, I was wearing their product and 
they would send me suits sometimes. Um, so I was, I was pretty much just a product athlete because that was the safest way to do it with an IL. Yeah. Do you feel like you have a good sense of, um, I mean, what's it like with them now? Are you able to give some product feedback and uh, kind of dial in some of the things that you feel like are most optimal for you um, from like an equipment standpoint? Uh, you know, here, I'd love for the fit to be, you know, changed here, or this is something that I feel like would really add value to me in this way. Yeah. Um, so I don't like compression on my legs at all. Mm. So, um, you know, everybody is so big about the shockwave right now. Yeah. It's a great suit. But as a backstroker, personal preference. I mean, Justin Justin wears the shockwave. It works for him. Yeah. I don't like compression, so I stick with the evictor. I think it was a, a bigger thing back in 2009. It was like the suits race and all that. And I know there were certain athletes that were sponsored, and then better suits seemed to come out, and they, you know, you're kind of stuck with your sponsor. Is that still a concern with like suits improving or other technologies coming out and you're like, Oh man, you know, Mizuno or speedo or something came out with this next huge innovation. And it's like, whatever, right before the Olympics and you can't use that suit. Does that creep into your mind at all with having a sponsor? Uh, not for me personally. Um, your speed doesn't come from the suit. It, the suit will, will help yeah but i mean i'd like to think that if you put me in any tech suit for that 50 back i don't think it would have cost me the record mm. yeah especially now like maybe 10 years back yeah that might have been a big difference but we've all all these companies have come so far that i think all the suits every every suit has their clone just from a different company yeah probably better for the sport i mean uh you know because I, I don't know what would be better like you don't want the equipment to be the focal point i guess um, and yeah. there's a lot of sports where it is and some sports that's celebrated. I think that's kind of the strange thing is like, you know, in formula one, we celebrate the fact that, um, like there's, there's differences with competing brands and, you know, some of that's the engine and the team and their ability to kind of work cohesively to deliver a great result. But then some of it's like, well, I don't, I don't know if that's necessarily the best thing. So to, to have that be part of it. So. Yeah. yeah, let's do um, every year. You have to wear like different stuff. You have to wear board short racing in one year, and the next year you have to use drag socks and race and see if it's the same person every time winning. Yeah, I love it. All right, Hunter, we got a few rapid fire questions, and then we'll let you go. All right, hit me. What, what's the hardest race in swimming? Short course, long course. Uh, either one. Your call. Long course. 200 breaststroke. Okay. Yeah. Olympic gold or world record? Ooh, world record. Do you pee in the pool? Can't answer. What's the coolest magic trick you've ever seen? Magic trick that I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. Now it, it's tough because I know how to do it, but um, it's still an amazing effect. It's done by one of my buddies, Adam Wiley. 
um, borrow a dollar bill from the audience and um, basically you have this, there's a lot of steps, but basically he um, ends up predicting the serial number on that dollar bill. Wow. Um, I, I could take you through, but it won't be very rapid fire, but it's like <laughs> he takes the bill, the guy signs it. He handed an envelope to somebody earlier in the show, um, gives the dollar back. A lot of magic happens and then envelope back. She opens it and it's the serial number to the dollar bill. Wow. What's what's career for you post swimming? Hopefully early elementary education. Wow. Okay. How fast can you kick a hundred meters long course with a board? Um, very slowly. I don't have a time, but I am a terrible kicker. What's the most amazing thing you've ever seen in practice? Ooh, I gotta say it's Murph's 1850 free split. What time does it take to make the Olympic team in the hundred back and to get a relay slot or to get an individual slot in the hundred freestyle? Are we talking Olympics or trials this summer? Sorry, trials, but to get on the team, what does it what does it take to qualify for the team in those two events? I'm calling hundred back. Um, if you go slower than fifty two four, you're not making it. Um, and hundred free, I'm gonna say the top two guys are in the forty seven six range, and top six will be probably no slower than 48 one interesting so not getting any faster or not much faster all right i i see you i, see I you mean much. we are very deep yeah very deep, deep. Yeah, so. that's true all right um wait okay on that point i'm gonna add one more what's the likelihood of team usa getting the million dollar bonus oh what is that all relays all relay gold what percent chance did you put on it? I'll say 40. Ooh, that's pretty strong. Yeah. Okay. I like my chances, USA Swimming. All right. And uh, last but one. I, I will counter. I'd say probably 95% sure that we medal in all. Wow. Okay. That's uh. well, that, maybe that's not going too far out on the limb. Yeah. All right. All right. Fair enough. Let's, Let's see, that. see it. Um, all right. How often do you do social kick? Every day. Hell yeah. That's what I'm talking about. That's the right answer, Hunter. Thanks. Thanks for coming on, man. Good to talk to you. Absolutely. All right. That's it for this episode of social kick. We'll see you next time. Thanks. See ya. Hey everybody. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you're enjoying social kick, tell your friends about it and be sure to tell us what you liked by leaving a comment and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram please subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Social Kick, and you can find all of our content on our website,